Welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to the Forge podcast. This is episode 108, and I'm Dan Stenberg. This week, the Forge will continue to partner with Women's Ministries of the Church of the Lutheran Brethren. The WMCLB has put out their own podcast, Beautifully Woven. You can find it by searching Beautifully Woven wherever you get your podcasts, and you can check out what our women are up to over at WMCLB.org. Now, where The Forge puts out content weekly, Beautifully Woven is a limited series podcast intended to meet particular areas of need pertaining to women's ministries. This first series deals with their new vision and value statements, but there will be other series coming in the future from our ladies, so be sure to check those out. Here at The Forge, we feel it is important to support the work that our women are doing over at WMCLB, and so we are going to be putting their podcast over our airwaves. Guys, yes, this is a podcast made for ladies with ladies in mind, but I personally have gotten a lot out of each episode, and I hope you will tune in. We trust that you will be encouraged, edified, and get excited with us as we listen in to what the fantastic women of our denomination are up to. That said... Here is the final episode of the Beautifully Woven Vision and Values Limited Series Podcast, Episode 4, Together in Mission, with Mary Anderson and Karen Stenberg. Welcome to Beautifully Woven, a WMCLB podcast. God faithfully weaves an intricate tapestry as he forms our beautiful, messy stories. We pray, as you join us today, you will feel encouraged, valued, and less alone as we share in life and ministry together. Well, welcome to our podcast today. This is the fourth in the series of our vision and values, and we're going to be talking about together in mission. I have my friend with me here, Mary Anderson, which I'm super excited to have on. Welcome, Mary. Hello. Excited to be here. Do you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Mary Anderson. I am married to Christian Anderson, who is a pastor in the Lutheran Brethren, currently serving at Bethany Lutheran Brethren Church in East Heartland, Connecticut. My maiden name is Olson, and so some listeners may know my parents, Dan and Cheryl Olson. I grew up in the Lutheran Brethren as a pastor's kid. My uh, dad, Stan, was pastor in the Lutheran Brethren, and I mostly grew up on uh, Long Island and the East Coast, spent some time also in the Midwest, and met my husband when I was attending college, uh, well, after I was attending college, I attended college in New York City, and then afterwards I started attending 59th Street uh, Lutheran Brethren Church in Brooklyn, New York, which is where I met my husband. He's born and raised in Brooklyn, and we have been married for 14 years this upcoming week, and we have done ministry together in Brooklyn, first with a youth group setting. Um, Then we moved to Minnesota, where my husband uh, went to seminary and worked with a couple of churches there in Fergus Falls, and then he was the East Campus pastor at um, Triumph in Moorhead, Minnesota, so we've spent uh, the past seven years in the Midwest. And then um, then this last year, we moved back to the East Coast, to Connecticut, where he's been working for Bethany in East Heartland and also prepping for us to move to Boston this summer, where we're going to be planting a church. So really excited about that. Um, I'm a teacher by trade. I like, I like to teach middle schoolers. So I'm one of those crazy people who likes hanging out with middle schoolers. Yeah, but... you got the tough job there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people who teach middle school are just we're weird. We're a different breed, but you know, it's yeah. fun. Yeah, I have a I have a sixth grader now myself, and uh, there's there's a lot of drama and emotions that happen. No, oh, sixth graders are my jam. <laughs> Give me the drama and emotions over the like snottiness of the little like I don't want to wipe noses. I'm fine <laughs> with uh, dealing with with kids having attitude, but I don't want to have bodily fluids. So. You know. <laughs> uh. That's great. And uh, happy anniversary. Um, Thanks. It's coming up. It's awesome. So one of the reasons I was excited to have you on here, Mary, is when we, so Mary and I went to, uh, our husbands were in seminary together in Fergus at the, the same time. So they both graduated at the same time and we, we got to know each other and hang out. And 
Uh, one of the things I loved about Mary was her passion for just connecting with people and talking about what that had looked like with um, mission or communities. And I just really appreciated hearing that intentional perspective from her at the time. And obviously I still appreciate it, but I think that uh, she was one of the first ones that really put words to some of the things that I thought about or um, wondered a different way you can connect and do mission in your community without um, needing to feel like you are constantly sharing the gospel or um, praying for the waiter that's coming to your table. I think I had this perspective of, you know, evangelism being like a specific gift. I knew that it was for more than that, but I think Mary just uh, helped me see that in more of a a doable light in my community. It didn't seem so overwhelming. And so I was just excited to have her on and share some about that. So we often think of the word mission as something that missionaries do overseas, but the Bible is pretty clear on that Jesus calls us all into mission. So what does that mean when we say we are called to mission no matter where we live, Mary? Yeah. So I think that, first of all, it is really important that we recognize that we are all called to mission um, wherever we are. I think for a long time, even just the usage of the word missionary gives it this sense of like mission work is something that other people do and I'm just a churchgoer. So there's a difference there. And like, obviously there is some practical differences, right? People who move overseas are learning a whole new language and a totally different culture. Like they're doing a different kind of mission work, but they are not the only ones who are called to do mission work. They're doing international cross-cultural mission work. And we are called to do national not as cross-cultural mission work, though in some ways it can feel actually pretty cross-cultural even within our own country. I think one of the things that's really important is to recognize that we do actually live on a mission field. And I think that that's a little bit of a paradigm shift for some people. A lot of people for a long time have kind of felt like, you know, North America is a very Christianized place. Like most people have like have a connection to a church or they have, they, they know who Jesus is. They've got a connection to the gospel. They have Christian friends. Church is a big part of our culture. But I think we all recognize that that has shifted pretty dramatically in the last few decades. United States is considered to be the fourth largest mission field in the world. I don't know if everyone realizes that, but there, there are missionaries from other countries who are moving here to do missionary work, like we send people overseas to do mission work in other places. Like that is actually occurring in our own country from other people from other countries who are coming to America, whether that's the United States or Canada or wherever, they're, they're moving to North America to do mission work here. Because mm -hmm. we, we legitimately are a mission field. And that doesn't mean that we should stop sending people overseas, but we do have to have a real understanding that we, we don't live in a Christian nation in the way that I think maybe we used to or the way that people kind of have thought that we do. There are people all around us who have no idea what the Bible actually says and people who have no idea who Jesus actually is. Um, and some of them think they know. They might have a sense of like, oh yeah, I know what the Bible says. But in reality, they have like deep misunderstandings of what the Bible actually says. And they may have deep misunderstandings of who Jesus actually is and what he actually said and what he didn't say. A lot of our culture has really distorted the message of the Bible. And so there are people who think they have some understanding of Christianity, but actually have a, a, a gross misunderstanding of Christianity. And then there are other people, and this is, I think, surprising to some, there are people in our country who, who don't have a clue, who like literally don't even know what it, like what churches do, like what are churches there for? Um, mm -hmm. My, in, in some of the time that we've spent in Boston while we've been on the East Coast in this kind of prepping year here, 
we did a prayer walk last June and my husband struck up a conversation with a random guy in the park and just said, you know, Hey, we're going to be moving here to start a church. Like what, what are some things that you think a church could, could bring to you and your friends? Like, what would you hope to get out of a church? And the guy was like, you know, it's been a really stressful few years. I feel like a lot of people are depressed. People could use some like counseling and encouragement, someone to talk to. I don't know. Do churches do things like that? Like he legitimately had no idea if that would be a function of a church or not. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> just didn't even know. I don't know. Do churches do that? Like, well, yeah, actually counseling people is sort of a, an important piece of pastoral ministry for sure. And so I think that, like, we need to recognize that we're on a mission field and to not make the assumption that people who we meet are Christians, to not make the assumption that people have a favorable view of Christianity, because some people have a very distorted view of what that is. We shouldn't even assume that they know what it means to be a Christian. As you get to know people, you, you're going to realize what, you know, what they actually think about it, how much they do or do not know. But don't make the assumption that just because someone grew up in a small town in a state in the United States, that they actually have any idea what Christianity is really about. And I think that, you know, in talking about what does it mean to be called to mission, no matter where we live, and you kind of brought this up and we'll talk more about this later too, but the most effective way to share Christ is through relationship. And so it's really important to be intentional about building relationships with non-believers and you, you can't do any mission work. You can't evangelize or bring people the gospel if you don't know any non-believers. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think that's another thing that our church needs to really recognize. We can sometimes be very insular in our Christian communities because we feel safe there. And there's a beautiful thing to time and fellowship with the body. But you have to know and be in relationship with people who aren't in the church, with people who are not believers. And some of us are really good at this. I have friends who just very naturally make lots of friends in all of their circles, have connections that are not church connections. But some of us have a much harder time with that. And this, this is for me. You know, I grew up in the church. I think some of us who grew up in a very Christian church culture, our closest friendships are with people who are in church with us, which is a beautiful thing. But sometimes it can be easy to just foster those Christian relationships. And so we have to be really intentional about also building up relationships with people who are not believers or not believers yet. And I think the third thing about being on mission, um, no matter where we live, is that we need to build those relationships in community with other believers. And I'll talk more about this later too, but I think sometimes when we start to make that shift, if we have that recognition to thinking that like we do live in a mission field, we need to be on mission. We need to build relationships with non-Christians. It can sometimes be really overwhelming and we can burn ourselves out because we're trying to like do this all on our own. If we start to think like, yeah, I'm, on mission in my community. I have to get to know this non-Christian person. And then you do that. And now this person is like coming to you for all of the advice and, and, and you just feel this like massive burden. Like I'm the only Christian that they know I'm their, their contact point. It can be, yeah, really scary, really overwhelming. We can burn out. We can try it once and decide it was too much and not want to do it again. And so I think it's also really important to recognize that we are part of a body of believers for many reasons. And this is definitely one of them because in order to build healthy relationships with non-believers and do healthy mission work and evangelism in our communities, we have to be doing that as a church community in our broader community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things that kind of stuck out to me too, as you're talking is it's such a mind shift. So when you're a missionary and you're deciding to go out to, to yeah. do that, you are thinking your, your life is changing and it's making you think about, okay, I need to do this. I need to build community. I need to, you know, be praying for those people. And I think it can be harder to have that shift when you're here in your home yeah. and you're like, I've been here. I'm not seeing it. And it's like, it's, it's hard. I think it can be hard anyway to start shifting 
your brain to start seeing where those opportunities are and what that looks like when you're like, well, nothing has really changed. I'm still here in my house doing my things. And so what, what do I do to, to do that? Yeah. It can be really difficult to like have that mindset shift. It's easier for that to happen when you have a natural life shift, right? Like if you move to a new place, it's really easy to be more intentional because you're moving to a new place. Or when you have a big life change, you have a baby for the first time, or you just retired. So now you have a lot of more free time. Like when you have those big life shifts, that's when some of this is easier to put in place because you have natural places in your life where you're making changes. So you can be more intentional about making those changes. I think you're right. The, the, the hard part is like, I'm living my life. I'm doing my everyday thing. How do I suddenly incorporate like this idea of seeing my community as my mission field? <laughs> like yeah. it, it can seem overwhelming, right? So I'm hoping like we can talk through a few yeah. smaller intentional like pieces that we can at least start to, to put into to action if possible. But yes, yeah. yes. So obviously mission has been important to you in the, in the different communities that you've been in. Why, why is that? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the first piece of that is simply because we are surrounded by people who don't know Christ and who need to know Christ. (laughs) I remember when I, when I first graduated from college and I first started attending 59th street, Lutheran Brethren Church in Brooklyn, New York. I kind of looked around at the, you know, I mean, I grew up in the church, grew up as a pastor's kid, like always involved in a lot of stuff. Like that's just my go-to. I'm a church person. I get involved in church stuff. Right. So I started attending this church and I looked around and I was like, all right, what, what are the ministries that they have in this church and who are they reaching out to? And I recognized that in that church in particular, the ministry that was most directly connected with people who didn't know Christ yet was their youth ministry. They didn't have a lot of teenagers who, like people who were a part of the church were not in the demographics that had a lot of teenagers. So there were very few teenagers who were just a part of the church because their family was a part of the church. But they had this youth group that was meeting and it was really just kids from the community, people who didn't have a church connection. And so I ended up starting to volunteer at that youth group not necessarily because I felt a strong passion towards youth ministry in and of itself. I mean, I teach teenagers, so I I like teenagers, although to be fair, part of me was kind of like, I don't, I mean, like I'm with teenagers all day, every day. Like, do I really need to do another thing with teenagers in my off time? Not necessarily, but, um, but I did mostly because I just saw like, this is a, this is a ministry in this church that is reaching people who do not know Christ yet. And I just, I think sometimes we get lost in that. Like that's, that's what our mission is. That's the great commission, (laughs) like go and make disciples. And of course, disciple making also involves, you know, the spiritual growth and and maturation and sanctification of people who, who know Christ. But I think we do that part a little more naturally and and it's a little less natural for us to say, but I also need to make sure that we're actually making disciples in the sense of new people are coming to know Christ and wanting to follow him. And so for me, mission in my community is because my community is where I have people who don't know Jesus and I want those people to come to know Jesus. And, you know, if, if we're not there and doing that, like, how is that going to happen? Again, we don't live in a country where anymore, like the majority of people don't necessarily have a church connection or a family who brought them to church. And so if we're not willing to go outside of our church walls and invest in our communities, then how are we going to spread the gospel? I mean, my husband is is the product of that. He's not someone who grew up in a Christian home. He didn't grow up going to church. And so if someone didn't reach out to him, and be in his life, who is a person from the church, he wouldn't be here as a pastor today. So that's, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, that's the biggest reason why mission in my community is so important to me. Yeah, And it's so cool to think about how God takes 
someone reaching, you know, your husband, and then now he is then sharing the gospel with others and, and just how one person coming to the Lord and then the ripple effect of yeah. of the gospel going out from those multiple people coming to faith is just so beautiful. So what has mission looked like for you throughout the years in, in the different settings? Yeah. So I think that some of the hallmarks of ministry and community for me, one, it looks like lots of meals with people. (laughs) I feel like as humans, we do really well when we are eating with people or having a cup of coffee or whatever that looks like. I think whether it's with youth group kids in Brooklyn or whether it's people who are my parents' age in Fergus Falls at the church that my husband worked in there or whether it's you know, my, my coworkers from my school that I worked at in Moorhead, being intentional about spending time, like sitting and having a cup of coffee with people, having a meal with people. That's an easy place to just open up conversation and uh, share our lives in a very natural, easy way. And so no matter what our setting has been, we are pretty intentional about inviting people to come to our house for meals, um, being intentional about making plans to meet people and have a cup of coffee somewhere. Yeah, opening up that space to get to know someone in a slightly longer period of time where you can just sit and talk in a non-awkward way. It also has looked like partnering with community organizations. I think that that's another really helpful way um, that we can reach into our communities. And so sometimes that's like, I mean, uh, we've, we've connected with quite a few, like specifically Christian organizations. Like we had a connection um, with a Christian organization that provided um, housing for women coming out of uh, incarceration or homeless situations. We had a connection with um, an organization that helped donate cars to people who were in abuse situations. Like, you know, so some of those are like, very clear, like single-minded organizations with a specific focus. And many of those are Christian-based, but also like, you know, we've, we've partnered a lot with schools that I've worked at to sort of say like, all right, what are some of the things that this school is doing that we in our Christian community can partner with? Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, like, we're not meant to do this on our own. It's very hard for just me or just me and my husband to make a big difference in a community organization. But if we say, hey, as a church, we want to be on mission in our community and we wanna think about what are some organizations in our community that we can get behind their mission or their vision and say, you know, we can provide this many people on a ongoing basis to help you in your mission. And that I think really can impact people's perspective on who Christians are. Um, We were a part of a small group in Fergus Falls for a few years, and we were on a monthly rotation of a food pantry where we would donate our time one evening a month to like go and organize and run the food pantry stuff for that night. That wasn't a Christian run thing. It wasn't connected through our church. But we were a group of people from a church and we said, this is an organization that's doing good things in our community and we want to partner with you to do some some mission work in there. And like, you know, some of these are, are places where you can really get some witnessing opportunities and some of them maybe aren't, but you're, but you're building those relationships and you're building that, those connections and you're building um that kind of good name for yourself, like, oh yeah, people from that church, they care about their community. We see, we see them at the food pantry. We know that they want to make our community a better place and that they, you know, do things with no strings attached. And I think that that's a big place to open up doors for further ministry. I think that partnering with uh, other organizations kind of takes the pressure off too. I think sometimes we think we have to like do the whole event ourselves. Like uh, one of the women in our church wanted to do a backpack school supply drive. And we were Mm -hmm. like, that's awesome. So we can, we, we collected the supplies over our VBS week and stuff. And then as we were planning that beforehand, we were like, okay, so how are we going to 
how are we going to get the school supplies to the kids that need it? We didn't necessarily know, like, we were like, should we call the schools? Like, we, and I think originally we were thinking, oh, we just got to do the whole thing. And then we realized, oh, there's this organization that we can partner with that they know the kids that need it. And so it just, it made it to where it it was much more doable. We collected the supplies. We connected with the gal that um, was, could distribute it to the the kids that needed it in our community. And it was just, uh, it took a lot of the pressure off of something that could have felt really large to try to do the whole thing. And instead it just built another bridge into, um, a place where we could care for the community and, uh, yeah, make more connections. Yeah. And I'm going to throw one other thing out there, which I think is maybe something that not everyone can do, but something that has been really impactful in my life and in my marriage, in our relationship, uh, we have throughout our years had several people live with us for different periods of time. We don't have children. So for us, that's a little bit of an easier scenario. We have, you know, an extra bedroom in our house that's, that's doable for that. Um, although actually, you know, I, I grew up in a family, I'm one of five kids and my family also had someone live with us for, for about a year. Um, even though we had five kids, five kids in our house. So, you know, having kids doesn't mean you can't do this, but I recognize that not everyone is in a, in a space where this is possible. But um, I think that that was modeled for me when I was growing up. My parents had a guy from one of the churches that my dad served at who was just in some really hard financial times. And so they made that incredible sacrifice to open up a room in our basement for him for almost a year to try to kind of help him get him back on his feet. And that kind of like long-term, very specific investment in a person um, is a is a very different kind of mission work, but it can have, I think, really long-term impact when you feel like God might be leading you to do something like that. My husband and I have had people live with us for various reasons. Sometimes it was just they needed to, you know, they were a young adult and kind of needed a transition time before the, after they were living with their parents, before they were living on their own. Um, We also have had a couple of people in homeless situations who have lived with us for a period of time to help them um, get back on their feet. Um, We've also had people just like rent a room from us who, you know, they could have rented from anyone, but we felt like this is a person who maybe we want to invest in and we see their potential as a, as a leader. And so since we have a room available, um, they're going to rent that room from us. And that means that we get to have a really, intentional time of discipleship and and growth um and impact on their life some of the people who have lived with us have been christians and some of them haven't and some of them have become christians (laughs) and that has been a really incredible thing to watch happen (laughs) like Mm -hmm. to see that you know god very intentionally used the the fact that they were in a room in our house for a period of time um to to open their eyes to who Christ actually is. And that, that is uh, something that has been really amazing to see. And so that is something that we have kind of been pretty intentional with over the course of our marriage as well. And again, I know that that's like a, a much bigger step than like partnering with a community organization, but I think there are people out there who would never even consider it, who it actually might be pretty doable for. And so just wanted to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that have been hard? when you've been doing ministry this way? Yeah. Um, so I will say probably the hardest thing is when my husband and I have felt like we're out on a limb and doing stuff on our own. And that has happened in, in different times and places where the broader church just didn't have that same vision for ministry that we did in a specific area. And so we were pouring a lot of our heart and soul into this and, uh, and, and it was just us pouring our heart and soul into it. And, um, that can be very exhausting, um, and can lead to a lot of burnout when you feel like this is a huge need and we see this need and I guess everyone else doesn't see this need the way we do. And so then we just kind of keep giving ourselves and giving ourselves and giving ourselves to the need. And at some point it just becomes more than you can do on your own. And so I think lessons for me out of some of those hard times, one, I think it's important to 
know where your church is at. If you're wanting to see a specific mission focus or ministry go forward and the rest of your church is not on board with that, um, to recognize that maybe you want to do something else as a focus or to just recognize that you probably can't do everything on your own. And so this might not have as much impact as you're wanting it to, or you're going to have a very short lived ministry in that capacity, because if you are all in and you're all in by yourself, it's, it's not going to be a long term scenario. Cause you just can't, you can't pour all of who you are out forever. You need mm -hmm. help. Again, we we're designed to be the body of Christ and live in community intentionally. Or it means maybe you need to help other people catch this vision. And that can take time. And I think that that has been, again, kind of a hard thing, but a good thing. Sometimes this is something that your church needs to be invested in. And this is something that people need to get on board with. And it just might take time to kind of convince people of that or have, you know, have experiences where they recognize like, yeah, this is something that's important for our church. And I think that every church should have mission work in their community that they're doing. And that doesn't mean you have to be involved in every mission work in your community, but you should have something that you're invested in. And so sometimes it's a matter of figuring out like as a congregation, what are we invested in? Or maybe not as a congregation, but as a group, like I mentioned that small group, right? That we had a, you know, like a small group of 12 people who were involved with this one mission thing. Our overall church wasn't, but there were enough of us in this group who cared about it that we were able to really to do that. And that was, and that was fantastic. But I think it, it can very easily become an overwhelming thing when, when you're out on a limb by yourself. And I mean, also just frankly, I, you know, I just talked about the like people living with us. One of those living scenarios was incredibly hard. <laughs> it, it was a really emotionally draining, exhausting thing that, uh, you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was, overwhelming. It wasn't so overwhelming that we didn't do it again. We, we've done that since, but it, it did make us think carefully about who we could and who we couldn't um, invest in in those specific ways. Sometimes you need to have more help than you're capable of giving. So, yeah, I think that's good. I think, and I think it's good to recognize, like you can try something and realize, you know what, this isn't working. So, it's a little bit harder when you have somebody living with you because it's that you have to, sh <laughs> to shift that. Um, but but it's okay to go out on a limb and try something and and have it not work uh, and or say you know what this could work but we're just going to shift um, and we're just yeah. going to change what what was or wasn't working. Yeah, absolutely. So what has been encouraging through this? I know you've listed some of the stuff that's been encouraging. Is there anything else that, that sticks out? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but like mm -hmm. it has been most encouraging when other people in our church community have joined in with us. Um, and that I think is when I've seen the most effective ministry happening. And an example that I kind of go back to time and time again, um, we had this... Uh, we had this gathering that we hosted at our house in Moorhead and it wasn't affiliated with anything with the church, but it was several people who we were close with in the church, people who we were friends with and who we loved in our Christian community. And then it was some people who didn't go to our church. They were mostly coworkers of mine or connections of coworkers of mine. And on Sunday nights we would gather and we would hang out and we would make popcorn and we'd watch a movie or a show or something. And it was just kind of like a social get together but we really intentionally made it a group of people that was mixed between believers who were a part of our church community and non-believers who weren't and as we all kind of got to know each other in this weekly space it was just so natural to have conversations about church related things because at least half of us there were very involved in this church that's how we knew each other and the people who were not involved in our church just kind of naturally like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you know, join in the conversation, hear about different things happening. And over time, people would just be like, hey, we should come to your church sometime. Uh, hey, are you guys having, oh, you're having a Thanksgiving service? Yeah, I think we'll come to that. It was like the most natural evangelism scenario I've ever seen in my life. I didn't even need to say like, 
hey, will you come to my church? They said to me, hey, I should come to your church <laughs> because they were involved in this community of people who went to this church who they felt included with and loved by. And they felt like I have this whole group of friends who goes to this church and they're all great people. I should try going to church with them because that just seems natural. And it's just this amazing thing where I'm going like, wow, this is the easiest like, and most effective thing I've ever seen in getting people to start coming to church with me because they, they already have a comfort zone before they even walk in the door because they know a bunch of people at this church and they like a bunch of people at this church and they know that we're friends with them not because we're trying to just get them into church but because we like them and they're our friends and so it was this amazing um yeah it was just i think one of the most encouraging times of just recognizing like hey um this is why we're meant to do this as a body of believers and not on our own you know yeah i love that i mean i think even for a christian person um trying out a new church can be scary uh, yeah. showing up for the first time and so to think about um, someone that doesn't even have that relationship with the Lord yet going to church, I'm sure is, you know, they don't even know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And so to have that sense of belonging um, right. is just awesome. Uh, yeah. Yep. And I'll tell you the first time one of the, one of my, one of my other friends showed up at church, they didn't even tell us they were coming. And it was like a really busy Sunday and I was doing this and Christian was doing that. And they came in and they were like, hi. And I was like, oh my goodness, hello. It's so great to see you here. But I was so busy. I knew I wouldn't like be able to sit with them and Christian couldn't sit with them. He's preaching, but they knew like six other people. So I was just able to be like, hey, there's that group right over there. Go sit with them. And so it wasn't on me. You know, it was like so freeing yeah. to go, oh, it doesn't matter that I can't sit with you right now. You have a bunch of people already here who you know who you can sit with and feel comfortable in the first time that you're visiting. Like, what an amazing moment. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. So relationships are often the best place to be intentional with mission. How do we find those relationships? I think we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, being in your community, doing your daily life, maybe not a lot has shifted. And so... Yeah when you're like trained to look at it with fresh eyes, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so I think that the most important thing about building relationships with people who are not in your church bubble is to think, where do I intersect in my normal life with people who are not in my church circles, right? And so I think for a lot of us that might be at our job, for a lot of parents that might be through their kids. Maybe your kids are a part of a sports team. And so you happen to see the same parents um, while you're watching your kids' sporting events. It might be a, a committee that you're on or a volunteer organization that you're a part of if you're in the Lions Club or the Rotary or if you're on the PTA. So I think the first thing to do is just to take a good look at actually saying, where do I interact with people just normally in my everyday life? And so how can I be more intentional about building a deeper connection with those people who I do run in circles with, even though I might not be friends with them right now, right? So for me, as a teacher, when I moved to Moorhead and I started to teach, I, I started to do that by going, okay, I know that there is like a social... Um, there's like a, a crew of teachers at this school who put together social events for teachers. So I'm going to make it a priority to show up at every single one of those teacher social events. Not necessarily because I super love this event, but because this is a place where I can interact with other people outside of work hours intentionally to try to get to know them better. And like I said, my husband and I set up this thing where we were like Sunday nights, we're going to do this thing. And so when I got to know a teacher at a social event, uh, and I, and I felt like they were someone who, you know, I clicked with a little bit. I'd be like, Hey, you know, my husband and I host this Sunday night thing. And a couple of other people from work come sometimes like you should come. And I mean, there was one teacher who I think I said that to like, you know, the first year that I taught there and she never showed up for probably the first year and a half, but a year and a half in for whatever reason, I invited her again. I invited her several times and she and her husband came and then they became every single week, like mm -hmm. without fail, they, they started investing in that group. And so 
you know, it's, it's, it's going, how can I be intentional about getting to know these people better? And sometimes you might be like, okay, I literally have no places where I'm interacting in that kind of social way where that can happen. And I have found myself in that position. Um, at some, at some point in Brooklyn, um, I was working at a preschool that was run through a church, not my church, but I was working at another church's preschool. So my work life was all Christian people and I was working with the youth group. So that was outreach to some degree, but it was, you know, still like within my church setting. And, and I had moved to Brooklyn from Manhattan. So a lot of my previous friendships from my previous school that I had worked at, like they were, you know, an hour away by commute. And so I just found myself in a place where I was like, I don't really have any non-Christian friends or connections right now. This is really bad. I have no one who I can like interact with outside of a Christian setting. And so I joined a book club. <laughs> I just was like, I, I'm going to find a place, something that aligns with my interests. I like to read. So, okay, I'm going to join a book club and I'm going to go every single time and I'm going to get to know the people who are there every single time. And I'm going to try to connect with them on a deeper level. Hey, let's get coffee sometime. I noticed that we have the same taste in books, like whatever that looks like. Um, you know, take a pottery class, uh, join a sporting league, invite your coworkers to something. I think one key thing is the regularity of it, right? Mm. If it's just a random one-off, it's hard to build those kinds of relationships. And so I think a key thing to think about is how can I do something that's going to put me in regular contact with this person or with these couple of people? Um, I have a friend who's a pastor's wife who would very intentionally like show up early at her kids pickup time for school because she knew there would be other parents who would be there early. And those would be people who she could strike up conversations with every single day, you know? So like, just, it, it does sometimes take fresh eyes and sometimes it takes a fret, like a new thing. Like I'm going to join a new thing that I wouldn't have otherwise, but I'm doing it intentionally in order to build relationships with people in order to expand my circle in order to, yeah, have connections and friendships with people who aren't just already believers. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be a lot of fun. It doesn't need to yeah. be. Um, I think the stuff you're listing is like, it's just, it's just practical. And, and, and I think, you know, whether you are extroverted and you have a lot of friends, a lot of people you talk to, or whether you're like, I'm pretty introverted. I just like have a couple people that that's totally okay. Like yeah. that God is going to use you in your personality where you're at. And I think that, um, I just love all the different ways that you can be looking for how God is, is at work in the people in your life or moving you toward maybe joining a book club or whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important that you, I think it's actually really important that you find something that you like to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. because if you're putting, if you're putting yourself at, into a position where you're just trying to meet people, but you're actually kind of miserable at that thing, like one, you're not going to want to keep doing it. And two, those people are going to kind of be like, why are you here? What are you, yeah. you know? <laughs> Yeah. Now it's weird. Yeah, <laughs> you want to you bond over some common things. <laughs> right. You know, um, and, and there are a lot of like, you know, more solitary activities, but that have, you know, like you like to bird watch. That's not usually a huge group activity, right? Because you don't want to be loud or whatever. But there's, but there's groups where you can talk with people about that. And like, I think that's a place to start. And then from there, can you move it from like a, hey, we we see each other in this like organized group capacity to then be like, hey, do you want to grab a cup of coffee sometime? Um, and again, like I know this, this seems a lot easier for people who are very extroverted, but I think that, you know, everyone desires relationship and some of us desire relationships with lots of people and some of us desire just a couple of relationships, maybe, you know, a, a tighter circle of people and that's okay. But I think it is important to recognize like, Hey, if we are Christ followers, if you have a circle of three people and all three of them are already believers, then make your circle four people find one other person that, that isn't a believer that you feel like you can connect with and, and 
bring them into your circle of your other three introvert people. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, but, but that, that too, I think yeah. speaks to the power of doing this in community, right? Because if it's all on you, like I'm the person who has to be the connection, like, no, all right, maybe you're kind of introverted. Cool. So your extroverted friend who loves chatting up with people, can you be like, hey, I met this person through my gardening group. And next time you're inviting people over for dinner, could you invite me and I'll invite them. And then they're in a group of other people who can help that keep that conversation rolling, not just on me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So we talked a little earlier about how so many people have different experiences with mm. the gospel and with church or have no experience. And I think it can be intimidating thinking like, I don't know what this is going to look like when we actually start having these conversations, because I don't know if I'm going to be having uh, questions that I don't know how to answer, if I'm going to be met with abruptness or, um, or, you know, you just, there's, there's a scariness in, yeah. in the unknown. But I found that when you start forming relationships with people that it really does start taking the scariness out of what you're going to be hit with um, when you talk to them because they already know that you care about them. Mm -hmm. And so whether they agree with your beliefs or not, I just find that there's more of an openness regardless of where they're coming from if yeah. they know that, that you care about them and you have yeah. that relationship. And I, I think that that really helps. Yeah, absolutely. So mission can be really exhausting. How do you keep yourself from burning out? That's an important question. Um, I think I've, I've mentioned a little bit of this already, just as I've kind of talked about, you know, lessons I've learned. I think the number one way you keep yourself from burning out is by doing this in community, is by finding a group of like-minded people and saying, we together are going to outreach to this group of people, or I have met this person and you have met this person, let's together hang out with these people. Because again, then it's not all on your shoulders. And if that person's having a spiritual crisis and you are in the middle of something crazy and you can't attend to that, they've got other Christian people who they also know who can step in. If you're, if it's just you, that, that can very quickly be overwhelming and, and, and lead to burnout. I think number two is pairing it with your natural gifts and interests. You know, my husband and I love uh, hosting people in our house. Like we love, uh, Christian loves to cook. I like to entertain and, and make up nice looking tablescapes and that kind of stuff. Like for us, it's really fun to invite people over to dinner at our house. For someone else that might sound like torture. <laughs> like if you don't like hosting people, that is not what you should do. <laughs> like find another place where that's going to be something that you enjoy and how you enjoy interacting with people. Cause there's, there's something for everyone, but think about like, you know, what, do I, what do I actually enjoy? How do I actually want to do this? And I think number three, recognizing that there is a time to pull back. It might be a little bit related to a life stage. It might be just a, you know, I can see that this specific person is draining me in a way that is not healthy and I need to pull back from them or I need to get, other people invested in this because I can't do it alone. Um, and that I think is probably the hardest piece because it's hard to know when you should pull back. But I think that's where you, you know, seek the counsel of other um, strong Christian people in your life, seek the counsel of your pastor or other leaders, other strong Christians who, who you trust their wisdom, because it is important not to burn out. You, you, you can't do everything on your own. And if you get to a place where it's so overwhelming that you have to back away from ministry for a longer period of time, then that's, then that's even worse. Right. So mm -hmm. um, recognize that there is a point when that has to happen, but that if you are in community and doing this within your natural gifts and talents, that's less likely to occur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you feel like when you're doing these things more intentionally in community with your church group as well, that maybe they notice when somebody's starting to burn out or starting mm -hmm. to look like they maybe need to have some boundaries? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes we don't even see it in ourselves, right? Like yeah. y you might be in a situation where you're 
you you don't have good boundaries and you might not even realize it. And if you are in, you know, reaching out to your broader community within the context of your church community, others in your church community can recognize that and, and call you out on it or say like, I think you are too invested in this emotionally, or, or I think that you need some support here. Um, and, you know, we, we need to give that to you. And I, I yeah, that's the, the beauty of the body of Christ working together. Mm-hmm. So God's called you and Christian to church plant in Boston. What is similar about the mission we've been talking about in our communities? And what things do you think will be different as you do that? Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of similarity. We will literally be spending the majority of our time, at least in the beginning, just doing what we've been talking about, engaging in our community and building relationships with others in order to build our church. I think one of the big differences is that we're not starting with an established church community, right? So when we were at Triumph in Moorhead, we had a established church and people from our established church that we were interacting with um, in our non-Christian relationships. And here we won't have an established church, right? So the whole idea of like, I should come to church with you guys. Like, well, we don't actually have a church yet. <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, so like that, that will be different. And we, you know, we won't have a whole congregation of people to draw from in order to, to work within our community. But in the positive way, the, the, the core group of people who will be starting alongside us will be a group of very mission-minded people, right? Um, The people who have signed on to sort of start this church with us to be our core team as our, as our beginning um, just seed of this church, those people are all very aware that like our goal here is to start a church. And so how do we do that? We build relationships with people. We bring those people into relationship within our community. We have them feel like they are a part of our community. They are our community. And we share the gospel with them as we share our lives with them. And as people get to know us and get to know our lives and get to see how Christ has impacted our small community, we trust that God's spirit will be working and that other people will become Christians out of that. And as people become believers. And as that core group grows to a larger group, again, because we're at this very beginning seed stage, the mindset is like, yeah, like, how do we grow our church? We literally just build relationships with people. That's what we do. And so I think in that way, it's, it's, it's very similar, but just kind of at a, at a different level. (laughs) Yeah. There's more in a, an intense way I can imagine. And then finding out in a new, cause you will be going into a new community, uh, yeah. what that looks like, um, for right. your everyday life and those interactions. Right. And, you know, part of our, part of our initial strategy is definitely going to be like, all right, so people who are on the core team, what are our interests and our loves and our things that we care about? And where are the community organizations that we feel are doing good work in Boston that we would want to partner with and say, hey, our group of people here would like to join you and be a part of this um, community ministry that you're doing. My husband, Christian, has said a couple of times, I love this quote, he, he said, what I'm really hoping for is that like the, you know, the, um, the city council member would be would say something like, oh yeah, the people from that church, I don't know if I uh, believe everything they believe, but boy, you can tell they really love their community. Like if we could get someone to recognize like this is that, you know, we are a people who are here to love and serve this city. I think that that does an amazing thing for what people think about Christians and about Christ followers. And as we build those relationships and we talk about why we do this, this is out of our out of our faith, out of our obedience, out of our love for Christ, out of the fact that Christ loves people. And so we follow and love people. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for that to happen. And I'm excited as we, as we uh, become a core team to think about, you know, 
who wants to get involved in this way because this is a like that you have, this is an interest that you have and how can we as a core team kind of come alongside you in those things that you love and the people that you meet through those things that you love and build each other up and support in that way. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that God called you to church plant? Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of a long process. I mean, I think it was probably more than 10 years ago that Christian and I first started thinking about church planting. When he was a youth pastor in Brooklyn, um, he was involved with some of the pastor meetings where they were first talking about urban church planting. When Fifth Act was formed, he was on that board initially. And honestly, when when we went to seminary, it was really with an intention of saying, I, I, I think that we would like to plant a church at some point. And so Christian though he had been a licensed pastor and working um, at 59th street in a church capacity, he, he said, you know, I probably need to get my master's of divinity, go through the whole seminary process in order to make sure that I'm fully trained for this. If this is something we feel called to. And over the course of seminary, you know, we kind of started to shift and sort of say like, well, maybe it's church planning. Maybe it's not like, we'll see what God has for us. And initially he called us to, to minister at triumph for several years, which was amazing and a really um, incredible growing experience for, for both of us. But ultimately we, we did, you know, receive a call from uh, cultivate new England, which is the partnership of three churches here on the East coast who are, partnering together to start this church plant in Boston. And yeah, I mean, we, we talked, we talked with them for a while. We didn't initially say yes to that, but over time we, we felt more and more led in this direction. And at some point I think we just said to each other, man, I just, I don't want to miss out on this. <laughs> like we're, we're, like this, if someone else goes, goes and plans the church in Boston, I'm going to be really disappointed that it wasn't me. <laughs> because I feel like this is something that we have loved and been excited for and been planning for and been prepping for, for a long time. And so, yeah, we're, we're really excited. We're really excited for it. That's awesome. Well, I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited for you guys. I know it's been uh, a burden on your heart in, mm-hmm. and that I know you didn't know what it would look like to begin with, but uh, it's really fun to, to see this and it's beginning stages for you guys. Well, thanks for coming on, Mary. This has been a great conversation talking about just really practical ways to invest and love your community and and share the Lord in uh, in ways that we can we can all do it, and it doesn't need to be so scary. I think too, like just one last note. I mean, it probably shouldn't have been the last note. It probably should have been the first note. But uh, you know, bathe this whole thing in prayer too. You know, I mean, like yeah. God. God has a plan for all of us to be on mission in, in various places and ways. And so, you know, think about just spend some time in prayer and, and ask God to open up doors and open up your eyes to maybe opportunities that you hadn't seen in a specific way and, and, and see where he's leading you in that mission. I mean, especially as, as we're thinking about Boston, I mean, I'm so excited to, to, to build these close relationships with the core team. I am so excited to see people who are going to come to know Christ. And I'm also really excited to be able to look back in a few years and see how God moved and answered prayer. Last June, when we did the first prayer walk in Boston, it was really exciting to to think like, I mean, I got goosebumps, like standing in Boston Common, standing there praying and going, we are the answer to the prayers that these people in these congregations have been praying for years. Like they started this process years ago. And, and now we get to see the fruit of us coming on board to, to, to lead this church plant. And, uh, this year, I mean, June 4th, we have another prayer walk coming up and I'm just, I'm like so excited to, to see, you know, a a year later when we're praying again with people from these congregations and going, Oh my goodness, look at how much stuff God has done in the last year. Look at all of the things that we were praying about and look at what he has accomplished and just recognizing that, it's his, it's his mission, right? We're on mission because it's Christ's mission and we just get to join in with him. And there are some practical and easy ways that we can do that. But ultimately, like, it's God's mission that we're on. And, and so we have to ask him to guide us in that. And then we have to celebrate and give the glory to him when we see that happen. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. I think that's so good. 
just starting with prayer. I know we're talking about it at the end, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just, uh, when you're, when you're starting to have, have fresh eyes or joining yeah. something or whatever, just prayer, it, it really, it really does change things. And I know it's opened my eyes to things that I didn't see before. Well, uh, thanks again, Mary, for coming on. This has been great. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.